Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. The faithful curiosity of the disciples left them wanting to know more about Jesus, who he was, what he was doing, and how they might learn from him. We are all curious about different things in our life, and that curiosity changes us and the world around us. What we do with that curiosity and how we learn from it is up to us. The example of the disciples invites us to use our curiosity as a tool to help us learn more about and dive deeper into our faith. In this week's message of the week, we find ourselves curious. Our message comes from Pastor Bryce Blank, who shares from the Gospel of John. Pastor Bryce highlights curiousness and the gift of seeking that John mentions in chapter one. Here is the First Church message of the week. Genevieve DeLong, and Daryl and I will be married 50 years come next month. I used to be a volunteer foster grandmother at the school district. Before that, I was a custodial helper and numerous other things. And right now, I'm retired. My name is Daryl DeLong. I was a custodian for the Waterton School District for 33 years. I'm retired now and then enjoying it. And I've been retired for about 14 years. I like the church because of the people that are so friendly and kind, and they welcomed us in. It's, it's a nice church. And I agree with them. Everybody is, like you said, is so friendly, and, and if you need any help, they're right there to offer any answers to your questions or whatever, so that makes it a lot easier to follow along. And when we come to this church, I had a little problem and I talked to the pastor about it and they took me into the room and we had a meeting and it went very well and that helped me a lot. It helped to turn my life around. When we first come here, we kind of was just checking around with different churches and we got comfortable with this church because of the way the people treated us and they helped us out so much. It's just a good, solid church to, to go to. We like the upbeat music, and, and there's there's so numerous things that, you know, it's kind of hard to pick just one or two. So I just feel you can go to church and, you know, if you can kind of bounce in your seat, you know, he want, God wants you to enjoy it. All I can say is that you can come to this church and try it, and you won't regret it. Before you bounce in your seat a little bit, let's uh, let's pray together. God, you know us better than anyone else does, and you know what we need to hear today. So as we seek you, as we want to learn more about you, open our minds, open our hearts to what you are calling us to do in the world and who you are calling us to be. Amen. So have you ever heard the saying, curiosity killed the cat? It's the saying that's thrown around when uh, people are warning you of the dangers of your curiosity. 
an expression that stops to serve someone from maybe going too far, potentially harming themselves with their curiosity. No, it has nothing to do with a cat, and no, no cats were harmed in the making of this sermon. (laughs) When a child is caught looking in a box, someone might say, hey, don't go snooping, curiosity killed the cat. Or maybe someone is running off into the darkness at night and someone asks, where are you going? They say, curiosity killed the cat. In other words, I don't want you to know and, uh, you know, stop asking questions. While this saying is intended to steer people away from following their curiosity, it also tells us a truth about what it means to be curious. That is that if we're curious about something, we're seeking to find an answer to something that's maybe unexplainable or a situation that we don't understand, we can't help ourselves and we pry further and further. In a way, curiosity is like an itch where we just can't help ourselves and we have to scratch it. It's like this elusive quality that just draws us into action, just searching for something that we don't know. And sometimes... Uh, the act of searching, of finding out, of drawing deeper is even more worth it, more of a thrill to us than what the actual answer we find is, right? Advertisement companies do this all the time. They use what is called the curiosity gap. It's the difference between what we know and what we don't know. And research has shown that the act of attaining a compelling information actually works in us so much that it's on a biological level. That when we are searching for an answer to something, when we're curious about something, it actually releases a hormone called dopamine into our system, which acts as this itch that we can only scratch if we find out what the answer to what we're searching for is. And alternatively, then, if we don't find an answer, if we don't get information about what we're curious about, we also then uh, have a negative response in our bodies. So we're wired this way. And so think about your own lives. For instance, have you seen in a headline on the news or have you seen an ad pop up on your computer screen about something that was just downright intriguing, that maybe something that was so flashy you couldn't wait to find out what the answer was? Maybe it was something you weren't even really interested in, but it piqued your interest just enough to get you to click on it, to listen in a little longer. I've, I've seen one, for instance, that says, this simple life hack saved me $10,000. Well, I'm going to click that and figure out how I can save $10,000, right? Or the one where only 5% of people can solve this riddle. Now, if you read that, you, of course, want to be in the 5%, so you're going to click on that and figure out what the riddle is, right? Even if you can't solve it, you want to know if you, you can try. And the one, of course, that always that has gotten me a lot is 12 tricks that I wish I knew when I was younger. Now, for me, I'm like, well, I guess I feel like I'm relatively young, but I still want to know these 12 tricks, no matter if I don't know where the source is, no matter how uncredible these 12 tricks come from. I can't help myself but click and figure out where, what are those 12 things? We can't help ourselves but to follow up and to find out, to follow our curiosity. And sometimes curiosity often, well, really oftentimes, it's met with a variety of responses. Either it is seen as a burden, something to tuck away. Curiosity killed the cat. Don't follow your curiosity. Or we see curiosity, our questioning is a gift to respond to to follow up on. And so the Jews of their of the Jews of Jesus time 
they had a question. They had something that they were curious about and had been wondering about for years and years. And that was the question, who is the Messiah? Who is the Savior of the world coming to fulfill God's promises? Who will be the Christ? And at the beginning of John's gospel, the world that Christ is entering into, we find John the Baptist. And John came and he was baptizing and he was proclaiming the word of God. And people were asking him, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? And immediately he was, no. And he shut this down. And then they're asking, well, you have to be someone. You seem to be this figure that we have been waiting for. Are you Elijah the prophet? And again, he says, no, no, it's not me. Someone else will come. And so this context is which is from which we find our story today. The people are wondering, they're searching for who this savior being might be, if not John the Baptist. And so our scripture today is from John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. And we're going to look at that in two chunks, starting in verse 29. We read, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one about whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than me because he existed before me. Even I didn't recognize him. But I came baptizing with water so that he might be made known to Israel. John testified, I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven like a dove, and it rested on him. Even I didn't recognize him, but the one who sent him to baptize with water said to me, The one whom you see the Spirit coming down and resting on is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this one is God's Son. So the people have been waiting and wondering. They've been searching and questioning. And then John declares that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And this is a direct reference to the Passover lamb or the sacrificial lamb that they would have known about. The Jews understood this reference and they would have known that John is saying that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. He is the one true sacrifice for humanity. So not only has John declared Jesus as the Lamb of God, but he also testified that the Spirit came down on Jesus like a dove. A dove which is seen as a gentle, a graceful creature. It has the ability to move naturally. It is a natural response in this creature. And so John the Baptist is saying that the Spirit came down naturally onto Jesus like it was meant to be. And the Jewish word for spirit is different from what we understand today because we read spirit in this scripture in light of Pentecost, knowing that the Holy Spirit came onto the world. And so we read spirit as the Holy Spirit. But that hadn't happened yet in this story in John's gospel. And so for the Jewish people, spirit was something different. And it meant three things. And and I'm going to... say a Hebrew word that is what they had for spirit. I mean, it says it's ruach, which I don't know Hebrew that well, but I'm told you have to put a little phlegm into it. So it's ruach. You kind of get the little phlegm on the end part. So, oh, I heard somebody practice that. Thank you. Uh, Yes, practice that word. Now you know a Hebrew word. Ruach means spirit. Uh, And it also translates to wind. 
And so this is the word that the Jews would have heard John saying, or that would have understood spirit to mean three things. The first is that spirit is power. Power like a mighty rushing wind, which makes sense why it is referred to sometimes as wind. They also understood the spirit to mean life. That is the very dynamic of our human existence. And finally, the spirit was God. The power and the life of the spirit refer to something beyond our human achievement or attainment. To the Jews, it was understood that the coming of the spirit into one's life was the coming of God. So God, as the spirit, descended naturally with grace onto Jesus. And this is what John the Baptist is declaring. And in doing so, the Jewish people would have heard with certainty that according to God, or sorry, according to John, this is the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world, the answer to their question. However, as we read, or we will read in the rest of our passage from John's gospel today, John the Baptist may have been certain about who Jesus was, but the disciples were not quite sold on it. They weren't quite sure who this Jesus person was or what it meant for them. So their curiosity allowed them to stay engaged. So we start back up in our text, verse 35 through 42. The gospel according to John says, the next day, John, being John the Baptist, was standing again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus walking along, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked, what are you looking for? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he replied, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two disciples who heard what John said and followed Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. His first, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And he led him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Caiaphas, which is translated Peter. So we see the faithful curiosity of the disciples left them wanting to know more about Jesus, who he was, what he was doing, what they might learn from him. They heard who John the Baptist claimed Jesus was, and they responded, letting their curiosity lead them. So while reading this passage that we just went over, we get a sense for the curiosity that those initial disciples had for finding out who this Jesus person might be. And, and, and you can almost imagine the way that Andrew tells his brother Simon in the same way that we might tell a friend, did you see what happened? Did you hear what happened? Did you see that video? Did you see that play? That same sort of curiosity mixed with excitement that is just contagious because the curiosity of the disciples was contagious. Little did they know that this would be the start of something so much bigger than them. They had no idea that choosing to follow their curiosity, choosing to follow Jesus, would lead them to so much more than they had imagined. The disciples could have responded to Jesus by just turning away, by letting it go, but they didn't. They could have dismissed the claims about Jesus that John the Baptist had made, but they didn't. 
Instead, they followed the curio- their curiosity about who Jesus was and what he was offering. And if he really was the Lamb of God, then he was worth following. The disciples, they really didn't know, but they were curious and they took a chance. They followed despite not fully understanding what they were in for. They took a chance on entering into a relationship with Jesus and maybe what that could mean for them. And so the example of the disciples invites us to use our curiosity as a tool to help us learn more about and dive deeper into our faith. Curiosity is a gift. It can sometimes be unwelcome. It can sometimes be disruptive. It can challenge us beyond our comfort zone to grow beyond our safe space. Be it friends or family or our faith community, our default choice is to stay within our comfort zone. So anytime someone begins to question the status quo and explore ways they might be called outside of that safe space, there's going to be a little bit of disruption. There might be a little pushback at first, a little resistance, but it's not a bad thing. Curiosity changes us and it changes the world. And our question is, how do we handle curiosity and the possibility of change? How does our community handle the possibility for change? Do we shy away from it? Do we dismiss it as impossible or unhelpful? Do we treat it like something that's outside of us, outside of our community? Or do we invite in curiosity? Do we invite change? Do we accept change, necessary change, for the betterment of our community for good? Do we allow our curiosity to drive us? Here at First Church, I look around and I see hints of how we have responded to change, how we have let our curiosity guide and transform us. Currently, we have a faithful community of worshipers online, people, some of which who will never step foot in this building and who never would have been a part of our church community if not for our online presence. But I imagine that the first time we thought of the idea, someone suggested of maybe having online worship or streaming our services, it may have been met with some resistance. But somebody was asking the question, how can we reach those outside of our building? How can we reach those who are not already a part of this community? And that curiosity, following the answer to that question, led us to be a transformed community. The same thing I I imagine was a similar conversation with the TV screens that we have in our worship space. When I was younger, we didn't have TV screens, and so we, we always had a bulletin. But I, but I know that these TV screens have shown us the ability to worship in a way we hadn't before. We can all read together on the same screen scripture. We can watch together a video of our own community members like we just did before the sermon. We can see pictures and do and interact and worship in ways that we hadn't been able to before. But I imagine there was resistance at first, but following the curiosity of what our worship space could look like has left us a transformed community. What about the ways that we are involved in mission work in and with our community here in Watertown? 
like the PAC program, or the food and diaper giveaways, or the alternate gift fair we had, or the harvest table, or all the many ways that we are involved in mission work in our community, we have responded to our curiosity. How can we be in community and help serve with and for each other in our world? The answers to that have led to many ways that God's work has been able to bless this community. So the end of our passage shows the disciples following a new path, living in the world differently. Now we admit that not every path has to be traveled, but being open to all new paths at all times is a must if we are to grow in our faith. So where is God calling you? Who is God calling you to be? Can you allow your gift of curiosity to lead you? Will you allow your gift of curiosity to be a blessing, to be transformative? The Gospel of John is different than the other Gospels because of the way that the Gospel writer wants us to feel and experience what we read and hear. He's always asking our reader what it means to be a witness, what it means to live with Jesus. And John, the gospel writer, understands that belief in God means being in relationship with God. He knows that we have fallen from God. He knows that we are broken. We have a broken relationship with God. But he understands that Jesus brings us back into that relationship, that Jesus bridges the gap, heals the brokenness. He understands that Jesus brings us into relationship with God in wonderful ways and the ways that God works in our lives. And so we are all curious about something, about different things in our life. And that curiosity changes us. It changes our world. But what we do with that curiosity, how we learn from it, that's really up to us. So I challenge you today, follow your curiosity. Curiosity didn't kill the cat, and it won't kill us. <laughs> but who knows? The gift of unbridled curiosity in Jesus might just bring you new life. Will you pray with me? Faithful God, we are gathered today, and we seek you. We know that there are so many things in the world. There's so much that could take our attention. But God, we ask that you would cultivate a spirit of curiosity in us. A curiosity that has perseverance to follow through and find the answers, and particularly to follow you and find out the ways that we can be transformed for you and for your good. The ways that we can be your light in the world, the ways that we can show Jesus' love to the world. So cultivate us a spirit of curiosity for you. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.